This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Boy, Nugent to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Even Curtis McElhinney can stop me from having a good show tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. The Oilers a day off today. They will play the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow night. Of course, we'll have it for you here on 630 Chet with the face-off show at 3.30. The game will start at 5. The Oilers will close out their three-game road trip. One and one so far. Go figure. They chase Carey Price early in the second period, and then they are stymied by career backup Curtis McElhenney the next night in Toronto. You can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063 if you want to interact. You can also email insidesports at 630ched.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D, Wilkins like Dominique, who don't remember uh, who don't forget we had on the show about three weeks ago. That was pretty cool. We're going to start, though, with a pretty significant story for your Edmonton Eskimos, even though they're uh, in the off season, This is a big move, and I think we knew something along these lines would be coming. Well, it came today. Quarterback James Franklin has been traded to the Toronto Argos. Edmonton picking up Canadian offensive lineman Mason Woods. He's a large gentleman, six foot nine, 324 pounds, but obviously Franklin's future with the Eskimos has uh, been in question for quite a while and we'll bring in the man who decided to make this trade, Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland. Brock, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you talking about this move today. And I sort of reference, given Franklin's contract status, uh, you know, we I think it was easy to anticipate that something might be up. Can you give us a sense of, uh, of the market and the interest in James Franklin that led to this trade? Well, there was four teams that that were very interested, and it came about by our exit interviews. I was canned with James and just said, look, we would love to have you here. Uh, in a perfect world, I'd make it work to have you as the backup and, and Mike as the starter. And I said, is there any way that you'd contemplate or be open to that? Uh, and he was polite about it, but he was very direct and said, no. He said, I'm going to go somewhere where there's not a, a starter in place and I can at least compete to start. So that's where it came from. And then... Um, from that point on, one team reached out. I met with them in person uh, at length a couple weeks ago. And then from there, two other teams were reached out. And then a fourth team was interested, but not at the same level as the other three. 
Can, can you tell us if there was interest in, in maybe doing this during the season? And, and would have you been open to that? Or did you need the security of, of having him around just in case? Two teams reached out during the season, and it was very easy for me. There was no way that we were going to trade him during the season. Uh, to have two quarterbacks that you can count on that can run the offense efficiently was just too important. So it was never even on the table from our end. Okay. Well, so uh, Franklin moves on uh, and a third-round pick in 2018 going to the Toronto Argos. You get back offensive lineman Mason Woods. I I gave his uh, vitals there. I'm going to give them again, and just in case people thought they might have misheard me, I did say 6'9", and I did say 324 pounds. Uh, High draft pick, 10th overall of the Argos in 2017, so earlier this year. What's the report here on Mason Woods? Well, I mean, the biggest thing you notice is what you discussed already. He's huge, and, and football is a big man's game. I mean, you can have smaller people here and there, but we have a large offensive line that fits with what we do. We want to be a 50-50 team run pass. Uh, he fits the mold on a lot of levels. The biggest thing is that we had him rated very high in the draft, and have we not taken Bahar? The conversation for us when it came to our pick, was it going to be Mason Woods or was it going to be Nate Bahar? So we think very highly of him. We had a, a high first-round grade on him. Obviously, the Argos did as well. I mean, he was 10th overall, but he was the first pick in the second round, so he was just outside of that first-round range. And to give up a third-round pick uh, for first-round talent to us is very small. Been Being a part of seven CFL drafts, I've never seen a, a player of his talent, size, capabilities fall to the third round. So we base there saying our 2018 third-round pick is Mason Woods, which when, when I thought about it and went back and forth on this, I uh, was very happy to do that. Uh, The other thing with him is he played both guard and tackle on both the left and the right side at the highest level of competition in the NCAA. So he was going against your Washingtons, your Washington States. They played at Missouri, I believe. So uh, he's a large man, big feet, long arms, can play inside and outside. So when you look at all these factors, it just made a lot of sense for us. All right. Well, that's obviously important with the the versatility of that position. And uh, we should stress he is a Canadian, a national, as he's referred to in the in the CFL. So that uh, doesn't hurt your ratio uh, ratio as well. Uh, are, are you? What, what are we looking at here on the offensive line for uh, for guys who uh, are free agents coming up here, Brock? Like, do, are, could there be some some movement here on the old line, or or who do we have coming back for sure next year? Well, there potentially could be some moves. I've been in conversations with a couple of the guys, and I think we're very close to, to securing a couple of the pending free agents. But we have the main crux of those guys coming back, and that's, that's pretty important. That's the lifeblood of your offense for sure. And when you have the MLP of the league, keeping him upright and healthy is paramount. How does your quarterback depth chart uh, look now? Uh, I mean, obviously you got Danny O'Brien. I think Zach Klein is still in the picture, and you, uh, and you signed uh, Eli Jenkins today. Are these the, uh, the three guys behind Riley now, or what are we looking at? They are. That's the three, and I wouldn't even slot them right now. What we would say, if it were to be just those three coming to camp, we would say it's an open competition for the backup quarterback position. And uh, the chances of us signing someone else out there uh, remains to be seen. If there's someone that we like with whether it be CFL experience and it's another veteran that comes loose from another team or it's a kind of a journeyman NFL type guy or just somebody out there that's been in the college ranks that we bring in. Um, we're not sure just quite yet, but the great thing about it is we don't go to camp till May, so we've got a lot of time to figure this out. And Eli Jenkins was the signing today. What's the report on this young man? Extremely athletic, and one of the first things you look at for a quarterback is what have they done for a program and I'm a big believer if a quarterback has turned a 
a perennial so-so franchise or college into a, a contender and a winner, then there's something to them. Uh, very similar to what Dave Dickinson did at Montana, and that's what Eli Jenkins did to Jacksonville State. Uh, he turned them into a perennial contender at the FCS level, so he's very athletic. Uh, can get out of the pocket. That was one of the appealing things about him is he kind of brings a different skill set to the table here that we don't have. Riley can run. We just don't always want him to. Um, and Eli's a guy that can throw up, but very athletic uh, to the point where some NFL teams contemplated turning him to a wide receiver. So he brings, when you get him out on the edge, he's a threat to not only move the chains with his legs, but to flip the field and take it to the house from anywhere. Brock, I, I got to ask you uh, one more, and I and I hate to go back to the uh, the tough end of the season, but uh, some people are texting in to six thirty six thirty, and it was a hot topic for pretty much the week after the West final. Um, if if you can take us behind closed doors a little bit, great. I'll ask you anyway. Uh, when you have your exit meeting with Jason Moss, does the third down decision late in the West final get discussed between you two specifically? Well, Jason and I discuss everything, win or lose. If we win 75 to nothing, we have a, a meeting after the game. And, and more than that, I meet with him, and then I meet with him and all of our coordinators. So we discuss every facet of every game. Uh, he and I are on the same page with went went through the thought process and all the above. And I'll repeat what I said in the interview after that is, when you're a head coach and you have a conviction about something, you have to trust your gut. And everything Jason Moss does is to win football games. So I will leave it at that. All right. Brock, it's great having you on the show. Big move today with James Franklin. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Mason Woods. He's probably going to block out the sun at training camp in May. Really appreciate your time. If I don't talk to you before then, have a great Christmas. You too. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Brock Sunderland, general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos, checking in tonight. So again, the trade, and you can always get more on this on the Eskimos page on 630ched.com. James Franklin traded away. He was set to be a free agent in February, and uh, as Brock said off the top of that interview, they uh, had an open discussion after the season, and Brock said, is there any way we can get you to stick around and be Mike Riley's backup? And Franklin said, no, I'm going to move on if I'm going to be a free agent. So... Sunderland able to pull the trigger on a deal with four teams interested. He does go to Toronto, and if this Mason Woods guy uh, works out, that would be a pretty big ad on the offensive line. All right, you can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. It's going to be interesting, too, to see what happens with uh, Ricky Ray and the Toronto Argonauts. I know uh, Chris O'Leary, who used to work here uh, in Edmonton for the Edmonton Journal, tweeting out this afternoon, Spoke with Jim Pop this afternoon. It sounds like Ricky Ray still has say over his future with the Argos. And then Chris putting out a quote from Pop. If Ricky is going to continue playing, which we hope he does, he will be our starting quarterback. So James Franklin could wind himself, uh, find himself in the same situation he was in Edmonton as a backup, though... Still a couple of months to free agency. So this is the thing for the Argos. Franklin could potentially not sign a contract with them, and uh, and then they would have traded Mason Woods for a player they don't have, though they do get a third-round pick in 2018. It's 616 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot getting closer to a return from an upper body injury. Don't 
think we'll see him tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Maybe Thursday when the Oilers are back home to take on the Nashville Predators. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Here is what is uh, going on in the NHL this evening. The Islanders taking it to the Capitals. It is 3-0 for the Isles with 12 minutes left in the second period. John Tavares with his 18th of the year. Dallas leading the Rangers 1-0 in the second period. Julius Honka with his first of the year. Shots are 23-7 for Dallas. Avs and Penguins scoreless in the second period. After one, the Red Wings lead the Panthers 1-0. And the Winnipeg Jets have a goal from Dmitry Kulikov, his second of the year. Jets won, Canucks nothing, about seven minutes into the first period. Later on tonight, the Hurricanes play the Ducks. Monday night football, getting going right away. New England 10-2, and taking on 5-7 and Miami. The Patriots trying to keep track with the Steelers, who pulled off a dramatic victory last night over Baltimore to improve to 11-2 and on the year. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. Uh, you're a Seahawks fan. Yes. How about that uh, dude trying to go into the stands, eh? Oh, that's, you know, that's like old school hockey in the 70s. That's right. That's all I can say. It's just no holds barred, Reed. It's that time of year where, you know, all the rules get written up and thrown out the window. It's no holds barred everywhere. <laughs> you turn everything into a into a wrestling card. <laughs> this Sunday night. <laughs> you can text 630-630. Rod says, uh, Terry Jones tweeted this afternoon he still thinks Franklin will end up in Saskatchewan. Well, possible. Greg says, bad mistake trading Franklin. He should have been the eventual starter over Riley. Better arm and younger. And then, Greg, I I don't understand your last sentence, but I understand the first part of your sentence. Uh, Well, here's the thing. Like Brock said, James Franklin was not going to sign a contract and be Riley's backup. And I I don't think the Eskimos were going to get rid of Mike Riley after being the uh, most outstanding player in the league. Here, Plus, here, here's, here's, I, I have a question for everybody. Well, not, not for everybody. And, and look, James Franklin could turn out to be very good. I, my question would be to those of you who are are praising James Franklin, what have you seen from him that makes you think he's better or as good as Mike Riley? Like, what have you actually seen in a game? I'm serious, because there's there's a lot of people telling me all season long, well, not all season long, to be fair. I'm exaggerating a bit. Sometimes I do that. But, Kellen, you remember when the Eskimos lost six games in a row? Absolutely. And Riley was in a slump. Mm -hmm. There's there's no doubt about it. He had some tough moments. Um, He got pulled against Saskatchewan. Probably should have got pulled Labor Day in Calgary, but uh, Moss left him in. And there was a lot of play Franklin, play Franklin, let let Riley, take Riley out, sit him up. Now, pulling in an individual game, maybe I can understand if it's if it's out of hand. But I'm just asking, uh, you know, it's it just seems to me there there is a lot of calls to see Franklin play. I don't really know what Franklin can do in a game. Like he got to play a little bit when Riley was hurt. He came in for Nichols a little bit. I, I, he started the the Labor Day game did a couple of years, I guess, back in '15. Didn't do that great. He, if he gets the chance to play, could be very good. I, I just, I, all the people who are so sure that James Franklin should be the Eskimos' next quarterback, 
and that it's time to move on from Mike Riley. I just tell me with your eyeballs what you have seen. Well, Reed, here's that's the, all I'm saying. Here's the thing that that I would bring up is look at your last two Grey Cup winners and the average age of the quarterback. Well, not the average age, the age of the quarterback in those two Mike games. Mike Riley could be the Eskimos quarterback for another ten years. Exactly, that's an excellent point. Exactly. That is an excellent point. And look, maybe Franklin, he's 26. He's, he's, you know, he's got some potential. But again, he's he's more potential and uh, Riley is actual. So that's all I'm saying. Jim texting in, in the games Franklin has played, he did well and looked relaxed. Okay. You, you can't say that about Riley. Like, is that? <laughs> I would hope. I would hope Franklin Franklin looked relaxed at this level. It's a professional he's, he's football been, league. He's been a pro quarterback for a while. <laughs> exactly. And again, this is not a this is not a knock on him. This is just uh, this this is just the tendency for the, the. It's the old saying: the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town, right? Always the most popular guy in town. But uh, that's okay. He's thrown 176 passes in uh, 12 games played as uh, as an Edmonton Eskimo. Franklin came in the fourth quarter for two touchdowns. The game Riley got pulled during the losing streak. Well, that is true. He did throw for two touchdown passes this season. In uh, the definition of garbage time. I think we can, well, maybe we can agree on that. I just, you know, I'm just, all this two-quarterback system, you know, play the backup more, I just, I don't know. Hi, Barry. Hey, Reed, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. Good. Hey, you know, Reed, I'm just uh, starting to think that a lot of times I think it's just the fan base because uh, if we just switch gears real quick, uh, I just want to make a reference with uh, – Talbot. Um, the other night there when they played uh, Calgary and he got pulled, um, Calgary's uh, goalie. Oh, when and, Smith got pulled and they put in Riddick, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the comments were, you know, what's the problem with Tam, Tam Talbot and, you know, trade this and that and this and that. But even Kelly Rudy after the game didn't even say much about, uh, about that. Like, I mean, he was more about Talbot, but what about the guy that got pulled? Uh, letting in, what, what did he get pulled after? Four goals. Uh, okay, against Calgary, Smith got pulled after five, Smith, and, yeah. and that was yes. And Brassois played that game, and that's when he had the tough third period. Yeah. So I just think that people just just panic and stuff. Uh, I find a similar thing with uh, <laughs> that Talbot has to go through as well in the hockey team. Barry, thanks for calling, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll uh, have some more Oilers talk later on. Mark Kennedy from St. Albert going back to the Olympics. Big Roar of the Rings victory yesterday as part of the Kevin Cooey rink. He's up next. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So Letestu and the Oilers in Columbus tomorrow. They did not practice today. Your Oilers update 
for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. You can always go to 630Ched.com for the latest on the Oilers and the Eskimos. You can get more on the James Franklin trade there. He goes to Toronto along with a third-round draft pick for offensive lineman Mason Woods. The uh, final word on this one on the text line goes to Bruce. He says, Reed, please stop indulging the small but noisy minority who think James Franklin is better than Mike Riley. Smart fans know that the Eskimos got good return for the rights to their backup quarterback. That is from Bruce, who is now my nominee to host the show whenever I'm away. Thank you, Bruce. Well, big news for Mark Kennedy, third for the Kevin Cooey rink. They won the Roar of the Rings, the Canadian Olympic curling trials yesterday in Ottawa. Dramatic victory over Mike McEwen, and I'm pleased to welcome Mark back to the show. Mark, how are you doing? Uh, I'm tired, Reed, but... Uh... But I got a big smile on my face that won't come off. So thanks for having me on. Well, and we talked before you left for Ottawa, and we said hopefully we're talking the Monday after the Roar of the Rings for this very reason. You guys got it done. But but you mentioned uh, you're tired. Now, is that a result of all the media and Olympic orientation you're doing today, or is that still just the grind of going through that bond spiel? Uh, and combined with a pretty good party last night, I think it's uh, all three of the above. It's, it's been... Uh, been a crazy stressful long tough week and to come out on top was is unbelievable so i think we're all just uh, exhausted but looking forward to things to come a lot of great teams in the bond spiel i mean you and i often talk about the depth of the competition for canadian men you guys went in as as one of the favorites having said that i know how much you respect the the depth of that field you went 7-1 and one in the round, Robin. Was there a point in the week where you thought, okay, we're actually playing to our potential, we're actually doing what we need to do here? Because sometimes you might get off to a, a, a shaky start and, and that can throw things awry. Yeah, it, it was an interesting week um, for that exact reason. We got some breaks early in the week in games. You know, we were in games. It was really close. Uh, but something would happen that kind of turned the game in our favor a few times. And, and that's when we first kind of got a glimpse of, you know, maybe this is our week, uh, but we certainly have to start playing a little bit better. Uh, and then right about the sixth or seventh game in the round robin against John Morris and John Epping, we really started to find our game. And uh, that's probably when we first thought, okay, this is in, you know, destiny's in our hands. We can, we can actually win this thing. Uh, a small hiccup against Brad Gushu in the last round robin game, but in the end, that probably helped us because the ice had changed uh, and that allowed us to adjust to get ready for the playoffs. But uh, come playoff time and come Sunday, we felt pretty comfortable with the way we were playing and, and knew that we uh, were going to put on a good performance. Uh, I'm going to ask a question that I, I know is going to sound a little bit like a stupid question because I think there is an obvious answer to it, but I want to ask it anyway, just in case there's a little more to it. How important was it to get first place and get the buy into the final? Like what? What were the, what were the advantages? Maybe besides the obvious. Oh, it's it's huge. Um, you know, some teams might want to play that extra playoff game just to stay on the ice. But there's a couple things. First of all, you get last rock in the final, which is an advantage to start. Uh, you also get to choose your rocks, which was fantastic. And uh, last but not least, we got a nice rest for a couple days. So for us old boys, that was. Uh, pretty great 
and uh, so we we enjoyed it. We relaxed for a couple days, and and you know, and uh, just felt really refreshed going into that last game on Sunday. So anytime you can get that bye to the final, it's a huge bonus. Mark Kennedy joining us on Inside Sports, third for the Kevin Cooey rink. They're going to the Olympics. They won the Roar of the Rings, the Olympic curling <laughs> trials. Go to in- the Olympics. <laughs> sounds good every time I say it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it hasn't really sunk in yet, man. It's hard to believe. You never, you're not sure if you're ever going to get there once in your life, not not to mention twice. This is pretty crazy. Well, let, let me ask you that because I was going to ask you detail about the game, but since since we, we went down this path, how do you compare this feeling to the to the previous time you qualified? I don't know, man. It's, it's the same but different. The first time was so overwhelming and just chaotic and a dream come true and this time I think I was able to look around and appreciate it a bit more you know I wasn't as nervous in that game last night um, I, I felt like I was playing more for my teammates this time than I was the last time you know the first time you get to go you, you want to go for yourself right you, you want to get to the Olympics but this time you know I wanted Kevin Cooey and Scott Pfeiffer and Brent Lang and John Dunn to get the opportunity so it was uh, it was different it was the same but uh, but different all right, so you're playing Mike McEwen in the final, and you got to tell me about that last stone because uh, Cooey throws it. They're sweeping hard. You come out and <laughs> you drag it in there. Yeah. Take me through the tension of that moment. Yeah, it was it was a tough. I I thought that uh, I knew Kevin wasn't going to be heavy because we have two of the best sweepers in the world. So the last thing you want to do is not give it to them. Um, but I could tell when Kevin threw it that he liked it. You can sometimes tell on his face whether he's happy with his weight or not. He liked it. So, you know, I felt good. Uh, but then as the rock came over the hog line, I felt like it was moving really, really slow. <laughs> and uh, my stomach kind of sank, and I thought, you know what, this isn't going to get there. So I don't know what made me get out there and sweep it. It was probably a bad idea. I could always you know, bump into my teammate and burn the rock. But, uh, yeah, just tried to get it there, and uh, the boys swept it the whole way and got her done. It's pretty unbelievable. Well, that was a tense moment. I mean, Rob and I were able to flip over and watch while we were doing the Oilers post-game show yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I know nothing about curling compared to you, but I, I remember watching on TV and thinking, does he have enough there? Like, what's, what's going to happen here? So I actually wasn't... That... I wasn't sure. It was, yeah, it was, it was tense. But in, in moments like that, everything seems to be moving in slow-mo. So it doesn't help that the rock looks like it's moving in slow-mo. Um, but I, I, you know, ironically, that's how we lost the Briar final last year, an intern draw that got there by a couple inches. So it, it felt eerily similar to that. And, uh, you know, with almost the exact same result. So it's kind of cool how uh, sports works out in some ways, you know? All right. So now you, you, you go through all this preparation for the Olympics and you mentioned part of what you're doing today is, uh, some orientation. I mean, all of a sudden, is this what is now thrown at you here that you got to re- get ready to represent Canada, you know, in a foreign country, and all the stuff that comes with us? Can you can you give us the Coles notes of what you're going through? Uh, I could. You know, typically they give you an orientation weekend um, somewhere down the road in a couple weeks, uh, but they decided to do it right here in Ottawa while they had both curling teams here, so it was kind of a quick turnaround, but. Uh, you know, they just give you an idea of what to expect um, 
with the media and with the village and, and give you an idea of what the schedule is going to be like. You also start to get some of your clothing, um, and they just introduce you to the rest of, of your Olympic team. Not all the other athletes, but we have a pretty great group of uh, coaches and national coaches and and people that have been around the curling world for a long time. So you kind of bond together as a bigger unit. Uh, we've got to spend some time with Rachel Holman's team as well today uh, and just letting it all sink in. And and uh, it's a lot of information, and I'm, I'm not sure how much of it has actually sunken in today. But, yeah, you just you slowly become a part of a bigger team, and that's, that's probably the best part about the whole Olympic experience. i, I got to throw another one at you here, Mark. Do you have to... Maybe you already are careful in terms of, you know, what medications you might take or, or anything like that. But, I, I mean, it's pretty common, I think, for people to take Sudafed or something like it. But I know athletes have, have tested positive because they've taken something yeah. that was relatively common for the general public. Do you have to learn about that or, or are you already aware of it and careful with what you take? We've we've been aware for quite a while. Um, we go through that whole process when you win Canadian Championships and World Championships. So uh, there's actually a website out there right now where you can type in the exact product you're taking, and it'll tell you whether it's banned or prohibited in your sport. So uh, we're all quite careful with that. And, and you know, sure enough, it's the first thing that happened after we won last night. We all got pulled aside for dope testing. Um, but we've gotten pretty accustomed to that over the years, and uh, I think we can expect more of it, especially with what's happened in Russia. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're certainly very aware of it. Okay. So beer's not banned, though, right? No, not in curling, man. If that ever happens, <laughs> if you might that, have to say goodbye to the sport of curling. Well, curling might disappear as a sport. If, if that, that might if be that, it. If that ever That's happened. right. Why, why else would you play, right? <laughs> Uh, I believe uh, for thirds, you had the highest percentage for the bond spiel, 86.4%. For you personally, Mark, was this one of your best weeks ever, do you think, or, or how do you look at it? Um, from a shooting perspective, I, I'd probably say no. I, I, I left a few shots out there that I'd like to have back. Um, you know, Not to say I was disappointed, but I, I know I can play a little bit better, but... I think from an overall um, overall week on, on what I felt I could bring to the team to make the people around me better, it was probably the best week I've ever had. Uh, you know, just staying positive and, and being supportive to Kevin and, you know, keeping the front end focused and all the things that are just as important as making your two shots every end. Uh, I think it was probably one of my best all-around weeks, and I think my teammates would say the same thing, but... That's that's four years of working on all the little things other than just your shot making that can make the difference in a team game. So uh, I think we were all pretty happy with our performances in that respect. Have you ever been to South Korea before? I've never been to South Korea. No, this is going to be a first. I've been to Japan, uh, and I, I just learned today we're going to spend a few days in Japan to practice and kind of get... Uh, acclimatized uh, with the time change and then make our way to South Korea. But no, I've never been there. I've actually heard it's a beautiful country and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you represent Canada once again, Mark. Great stuff for you. Congratulations to uh, all your teammates as well. And I hope we can talk again before the Olympics, man. Enjoy the rest of the day. I know it's busy. Thanks for fitting us in on 630 Chet. 
Hey, thanks a lot, Reed. And I just want to pass along a message. Uh, we've gotten so many, so many good messages and feedback again from fans back in Edmonton and St. Albert. So a big thank you to everyone that's been supporting us the whole way through. And hopefully we can uh, represent Canada proud in Korea. Good to hear. Mark Kennedy, Ben Hebert, part of that rink. They have already won Olympic gold when they were playing with Kevin Martin back in 2010. They will try to do it again in 2018. Great story, incredible final game. It was on during the Oilers game, so I didn't see very much of it. Rob and I did a little bit of flipping. We saw them uh, get a big steal in the sixth end, and then I asked Mark about that final stone. I mean, man, he had to get out there and sweep. He said, the tension of that situation, I love how he explained that. He says, when, you, when you're in that situation, the, the rocks always seem like they're moving too slow. So you got to trust your experience. Is, is it actually coming in a little softer? You needed to get out there and swept. He swept. They got it there. They got the win. Dramatic one. As you would expect, that bond spiel often comes down to the last stone. Still ahead, you're going to hear from Jody Shelley. I guess it's kind of an unofficial continuation of Enforcers Week. He's the television analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but he was no stranger to the fisticuffs when he played in the NHL, so I'm sure he'll have some stories along those lines. You can text 630-630. Our open line is 780-496-0063. We'll update the NHL scoreboard as well. Inside Sports on Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So the Eskimos making a deal with Toronto today. Quarterback James Franklin and a third-round draft pick traded to the Argos for six foot nine, three hundred and twenty-four pound offensive lineman Mason Hoods. He can play guard or tackle on the left or right side. So that's pretty good. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. Monday Night Football is underway. Miami up three nothing on New England. Nine minutes into the game, NHL scoreboard: Canucks and Jets tied one one after one. Brock Besser with his 16th for Vancouver. He's having a heck of the season. More bad news for the Canucks, though, today. Sven Berchi, broken jaw. He's going to miss four to six weeks. Of course, they're already without Bo Horvat. Detroit leading the Panthers 1-0. That's eight minutes into the second period. After two, the Avs and the Penguins are scoreless. The Stars lead the Rangers 1-0. How about Dallas out shooting New York 33-10 through 40 minutes? And also after two, Islanders up 3-0 on the Washington Capitals. One more game still to come tonight. The Hurricanes will face the Ducks. Oilers in Columbus tomorrow. Uh, Bruce wrote back. He had that uh, very strong text about Franklin and Riley. Right. So I guess Bruce won the uh, some of the Golden Bears Nate Ukes tickets we gave out. Oh, good. A couple of weeks. Was it early last week? I think it was early last week we gave yeah, out some it was, tickets. Yeah, it was all last week, I think, yeah. Uh, so he went to the uh, Northlands Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Golden Bears beat the Ukes 4 nothing. How about this? Bruce won the 50-50 draw. Hey. He says a nice memento from my last trip to the old barn. The, what is it, the farewell weekend this weekend? This weekend coming up. And yeah, my uh, folks were at the uh, Nate uh, U of A game and they said it was a really good game. 50-50, I think they said was about 1700 bucks take home. Hey, we so, love the 50-50 in Western Canada. Absolutely. Nothing like it. Mm-hmm. So this weekend is the farewell weekend. Spruce Grove Saints, Okotoks Oilers, AJHL game. Going to be the last hockey game on Friday, so that'll be pretty cool. Remember, for 630 Chet, Santa's Anonymous, we had that great auction on Friday. Thanks to everybody who bid. 
the autographed seat from the Coliseum, autographed by Ryan Smith, mm-hmm. went for over $5,000. I just want to remind some people, because we're heading into delivery weekend for 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. And remember to go to santasanonymous.ca to find out more. You can still donate toys. Actually, we're still looking for some items. We need books for 7- and 8-year-olds. We need toys for 1-year-olds. We need toys and games for 10 to 12-year-old boys, uh, but no batteries or consoles, please. So there, there's some specific things that if you still want to look or you've been saying, hey, I, oh, I got to get a toy. I forgot to get a toy. There's some things you can grab. And remember, if you're planning to deliver on Saturday, you can download the Santa's Driver app and activate it when you arrive on Saturday. Okay, and I I know tons of people uh, love to deliver. It's a great way to help out. Here's the thing. While you're delivering, you can listen to the Oilers in the Wild on 630 Ched. That's a noon face-off coming up. Just remember to bring your valid driver's license and proof of insurance. But again, the toys, books for 7- and 8-year-olds, toys for 1-year-olds, toys and games for 10- to 12-year-old boys, no batteries or consoles. Please go to Santa's Anonymous dot ca if you'd like to help out and we appreciate everybody that does Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles torn ACL left knee he's out for the season possible league MVP that opens everything up doesn't it you know what I I will say this I don't I, I don't think Nick Foles is a bad quarterback I don't think he's Carson Wentz no but I, I think he can uh, do a decent job for the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been having an, an incredible season. And I think you got, I mean, I, the NFC, lots of teams with good records. You got the Eagles, uh, you got the Rams, you got the uh, Saints, you got the Panthers, you got the Falcons, you got the Seahawks still hanging around. Um, the AFC, it's pretty much the Pittsburgh New England show. It is, yeah. And again, they're going to play on Sunday. So New England wins tonight. They'll both be 11-2 and and playing likely to have the number one seed and home field on the AFC side of the draw. So not that there aren't other... Buffalo's still hanging around in the wild card chase. Did you see the snow highlights yesterday? I saw the snow. My goodness. Yep. Did you see Vinatieri's kick Mm -hmm. to tie it? Did he ever (laughs) bend that in, eh? Yep. Like he was, that that was, speaking of curling, that was like a curling shot. Yeah. You're aiming way out, way to the outside, and and you bring it in. It was very CFL esque. It it brought back memories of November's past and playoffs. I've seen some snowy CFL games. Oh, yeah. Well, the Grey Cup this year. The Grey Cup this year. Eskimos in Ottawa. I don't know if if I've seen a CFL game with that accumulation of snow. I mean, certainly the 96 Great Cup had snow, but I mean, that was ankle deep. And it's a different type of yesterday. snow in Buffalo because it's the snow that, that comes wet, off the Great thick, Lakes and that, everything. That it's thick. wet, thick Great Lakes snow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Hardy Boys mystery. It reminded the me of the case of the Great Lakes snow. Yeah, it reminded me of the first winter classic that the league did between Pittsburgh and Buffalo and how it just snowed. Endlessly throughout that game. Oh, the actual winter classic. Yeah, the actual not, game. Not the yeah. uh, one we had here where it was freezing cold. I, did you go to that one? The uh, 03 yeah. Heritage Classic? Yep, yep. I did not go to that one. Yeah, I was uh, nosebleed up in section, uh, upper upper section P, like way up top. And did you go for the alumni game as well? Yes. 
So I, I, I tried to stick it out throughout, but uh, my date at the time wanted to go home during the uh, second period of the well, you, actual game. You so. took a young lady to the I game? I did, yes. Obviously, yeah. this, this did not result in marriage. It wasn't no. Sigourney Weaver, was it? No. <laughs> Sorry, no. I couldn't resist. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-home Southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Great spot, 124th Street and 107th Avenue. Jody Shelley will let us know what kind of a challenge the Columbus Blue Jackets will be for your Oilers tomorrow. And he has some tales of his fighting career especially when he was in Major Junior. Coming up next, Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.